0: So I'm curious, I want to take a little informal poll this morning, Uh, and if you're online watching, I'd love to have you participate, you can jump into the comments, but I'm interested, how many of you have ever played hide and seek? Okay? Okay. Awesome. I I mean, I'm ever. Okay, so I'm seeing plenty of, I think almost 100% in the room, which is awesome. Which makes my next, I feel like we've got a statistically significant sample now we can do. So, my next question is how many of you prefer to be the seeker when you play? Come on, let's see some hands. Okay, interesting. Okay, there's a couple people in the room. I don't know how the online is coming. You guys weigh in too. it, that was the very same dynamic at the first service. So I'm curious. I'm going to just make you all, you know, get honest. How many of you love to be the one who hides? Let's see it. Excellent. Yes. That is my preference as well. So I'm curious. Uh, I'm am, am interested. What do you love about being the one who hides? And this is not a rhetorical question. Okay. This is the moment where everybody's like, oh, no, she's stepping down. Yes, she is. So, what, what, give me some feedback. What do you like about being the one who hides? What? It's easier. It's easier. Okay, excellent. I, will, I think there's a moment of panic usually that I have initially when I have to decide where to hide. But once you hide, then you're done. Yeah, for sure. What else? Yeah. Opportunity to pick the best spot. To pick the best spot. Absolutely. Yes, this is one of the fun things about it, for sure. Okay, what else? Anybody else? I think somebody over here needs to weigh in. What do you like about being the, the one who hides? You, the, you get to be the center of attention. You get to be found, right? I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, I, love, um, I loved being the one who hides. I love that, you know, you want to hide in a good spot, but not such a good spot that nobody finds you, right? Have you ever, did you ever have that happen where you're hiding, and then all of a sudden you're like, what if they don't find me? Um, Or what if my siblings decide to stop playing the game, and don't tell me? That never happened to anybody else, did it? Um, Yeah, for sure. I think there's something really fun about the idea that people are looking for you, the idea that people are wanting to find you, and I think that's part of why so many of us like being the hider, right? Now, I think that's what's brilliant, actually, about the game sardines. How many of you have actually played sardines? Oh, yeah. In fact, some of you who grew up in uh, this church and have been here for a long time, you might have played sardines in our original campus, which was the best place in the world for sardines. The whole point of sardines is that somebody goes and hides, and then when you find them, you join them in the hiding. So you get to be both the seeker and the hider. It's like the best of all the pieces of the game. You get the fun of both being looking and being looked for, of pursuing and being found. Now, this last month, we've been talking about God as a host, with infinite resources and infinite authority, a God who loves to open doors, to welcome, to share his work and his uh, family and his table. But I think we serve a God who does not just seek, but a God who likes to hide. And I think you will find that this is an interesting thing about God. So if you have a Bible, open it with me to Genesis 18. Uh, We're going to read an interesting little story that's at the beginning of the Bible. If you don't have your Bible with you and normally you rely on the screens, I'm sorry. Uh, Just listen. I will read for you. We're going to begin at verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 15. Now the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Now when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my lords, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried and into the tent to Sarah and he said, quick, get three Say or 36 pounds of the finest flour, knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and he selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah. They asked him, There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yeah, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this is a strange little story. The narrator lets us on, in on a secret from the very opening word the lord is visiting abraham only abraham doesn't know it see all abraham sees is three strangers that come now all kinds of commentators and theologians have all kinds of fun with this with these three men is it god and two angels is it the beginning of the tr- or is it a foretaste of the trinity here's the truth i don't know all I know is that the narrator tells us God has arrived and Abraham sees three strangers. In other words, God is incognito. He has arrived hidden. Now, Abraham responds in a way that's really, really extravagant. In fact, he and Sarah together put on a master class for hospitality mark your calendars we're gonna come back to this passage I don't know when but I'm gonna talk about their hospitality because it's beautiful and there's a number of things they do but for today let's just suffice it to say that they greet these men with humility and respect they drop their plans for the day and make the needs of their guests the priority and the first priority They embrace the chaos and even the cost of unexpected visitors. But Abraham and Sarah could have done something different. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Abraham could have gotten a quick drink of water and sent them on their way. He could have ignored them altogether. I suspect that's what we would do. How many of you have ever heard the door bell ring and not answered it. Don't You don't have to show me your hands. I just know. It's a thing now, right? Like, it's reality. Certainly, I think we can agree that Abraham and Sarah did not have to go to all the effort and the considerable cost to serve their guests a gourmet meal. So, given the risk of rejection, why would God do it? Why would God go incognito why would he hide approaching them as a stranger Now i think this is a particularly uh, applicable question because actually four or five times prior to this god has spoken to abraham verbally he has appeared in ways that are very clearly majestic and very clearly god so god doesn't have a problem showing up in his true form But in this occasion, he comes as a stranger. Now, before I answer why I wonder if he's done that, I want to ask you a question first. Have any of you ever been welcomed to some place warmly and extravagantly? Okay? Now, I'm, I'm asking, again, not a rhetorical question. So... If you can start to think of a time, give me a nod of your head. Or if you're online, give me a thumbs up. Okay? Can you start to think about that? How did that make you feel? I immediately thought of a trip I took with my sister uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, My parents bought us plane tickets to go visit my aunt who lives in San Francisco. And that was a season when we both had a lot less time and a lot less money. Uh, can I get an amen from any parents who have small children? Yeah. So it was it was really a, a, an incredible opportunity, and we went. and My aunt has lived in San Francisco. She is uh, now in her eighties. Uh, she's not a wealthy woman. She lives in a rent controlled apartment close to the Bay, and so we stayed and crashed her apartment. But I have to tell you, it was the most amazing three days. She shared her love of the city with us in ways that were extravagant and beautiful. We went to live theater shows. We had brunch on the bay. We participated in high tea. We went all over the city. We got pedicures and manicures, something I had never done at that point. And I remember thinking how amazing she had been to share her life and her money, and her time, and her heart with us. I laid in the sofa bed the night before we left, and I have a tangible memory of thinking I have been unreservedly loved. Does that sound like your memory of being welcomed well, of being wanted, and valued, and seen? So now... Let me ask you, what if God loves being loved like that? Let me ask it again, just in case. Let let your brain bend on that one. What if God loves being welcomed extravagantly? See, I don't think God wanted robots. But God wants relationships. And the only way there can be relationship, real relationship, is if there's freedom. And with freedom comes vulnerability and the possibility of rejection. What if God hides so that we can decide whether we will welcome him or not? John 1 says it this way. The light was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. God could have appeared in ways that would have forced us to submit. We could have been overwhelmed by his glory, but instead, God chose humility. God chose vulnerability. God chose not just to be the host, but also the guest. God chose not just to be the seeker, but the one who wants to be found and recognized and welcomed. God is the one who refuses to use his power and glory to force us. To force our obedience, to force our allegiance, to force our affection. Instead, he comes. He comes in the humility of weary strangers and helpless infants and crucified Galileans. He comes with eyes full of love, waiting to be welcomed. Now I want you to think for just a minute how that might change how we think about worship and what we do here. Let me ask you a question. Who is the honored guest when we gather? I suspect that oftentimes my assumption is that I am the welcomed guest. Maybe you occasionally feel that way too, right? All of this should be prepared for you so that it works for you to come and eat and be at the table, right? Now, you don't have to raise your hand. But what if instead, actually our job when we gather is to welcome God? He is the honored guest in our midst. And what I do when I come to worship is I bring my welcome, and my affection, and my life. Just as Abraham and Sarah bring for the guests. See, that changes things, doesn't it? Changes how we come into this space together. But here's the, you know, because God. God is the God of sardines. The God who seeks and hides. Because if you notice in this chapter, it's not just that God comes and receives. He also turns around and gives, right? God comes to encourage and bless a cynical older woman. A woman who's been waiting for 20 years for a promise she is sure has passed her by. And God incognito comes to encourage her to bless her, and to remind her you are not forgotten. God loves to be the guest and the host, to give and receive. You know, I was thinking a lot about that this week, because so often I am slow to welcome God. I know pastors aren't supposed to say that, but it's true. In fact, just this week, I was having a really terrible second half of a day. I don't, the first half was great, so if you were in meetings with me Wednesday, I am not reflecting on you. Sarah, we were in a meeting together. It's not about you. But it was one of those days where there was too much to do and not enough time to do it. The demands felt heavy, and then... Uh, and then things went sideways and I got more added to the plate and it was a little overwhelming and a lot going on. And then in the late afternoon, I got a call that my sister had received a really challenging medical diagnosis. And, uh, and so I spent the first two hours speaking to multiple members of my family multiple times. I don't know if that's how your family does these things. It's how my family did this thing, right? So, you know, we're doing all of the, like, have you talked to mom and all of that kind of stuff for at least a couple hours. And then I fell down the let's Google the medical stuff hole, which is real bad, real bad. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. But I did it for, like, three hours, uh, which was, yeah, Not a good place. So then I went to bed and did not sleep because I thought, why not worry all night? That's probably productive, right? Why not imagine all the scenarios and the things? And so, you know, then about 6, I'm like, you know, I'm tired of laying in bed. And, you know, maybe the best thing now, I'll just control something. So I got up early, went to work, and started sending emails. If you got a 7 o'clock email from me Thursday morning, this is what was happening. I probably sent, I don't know how many. It was ugly. It was so ugly. And in my soul, I'm trying all these things to cope and to feel and to try and. And then I was sitting in my office. The sun peaked up. And I just sensed God quietly say to me, I'm here when you're ready. I'm here when you're ready. And I went, oh, yep. God's been waiting for me to invite him into this. See, God's a gentleman. God doesn't use his power, he won't force his way in. Instead, he gave me the freedom and the dignity to be ready to let him know when I was ready. And the beauty is that. He doesn't like with Sarah. He didn't leave her because she laughed, because she didn't get it right. He actually just looked inside. Oh, come here. Friends, how often do we leave God standing outside on the porch? Do we say, you know what, God, I got this. I got this. I don't need you. I mean, and God so patiently waits and says, really? See, here's the thing. The God of the universe doesn't need your stuff. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The God of the universe does not need your gifts. The God of the universe wants your love. He wants your trust, and he wants our welcome. Yesterday, we said goodbye to a woman who was part of our congregation. Her name is Carol, Carol Slump. A beautiful woman, a praying woman, and probably in some ways marked by her generosity and her hospitality. Her grandkids talked about the fact that she smelled like chocolate chip cookies all the time. And she had a mantra that she lived by. My house is your house. And she did it. I wonder if the God of the universe longs to have us say to him, My house is your house. Come, come on in. Yep. The dishes are still in the sink. The floors are a mess. Yeah, the laundry's not done. But come in. Come in and meet me where I am and bring your hope and your peace and your joy. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you want our hearts. You want our trust. You want our welcome. You long to be deeply loved and to love back. And so, God, I pray even right now in this moment, you would, we would hear your gentle words. I'm here when you're ready. And would you maybe give us the courage to invite you even in right now to the situations that we've been trying to handle by ourselves, the places where we've been worn out and weary, the places where we're cynical and we've lost faith, or the places where we've just frankly said, I'll do it myself. Give us faith to trust that you are good and that you come and you long to be found And you long to join us in our hiding places so that we might know life. So that our loneliness could be perhaps eased and our fear dispelled. In Jesus' name, amen.